Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Alex Abnos from The Athletic. All of the big games of the day are done. Let's look ahead to the next games to take center stage in front of the world. This is World Cup Every Day. The headline game of the next day of action features a Uruguay side which is hoping to get a new era fully underway with a World Cup win. They'll face Portugal, which barely escaped with a 3-2 win against Ghana in probably the wildest game of the first round. Felipe Cardenas joins the show today to tell us what to expect from Uruguay in this game and what kind of challenge they'll face from Cristiano Ronaldo and company. Monday will also see Brazil make their second appearance in this World Cup, but Neymar will not be in for that one after sustaining an ankle injury in the opening game against Serbia. Keep an eye out on his injury status moving forward. Before we get to Felipe, here's the TV guide for today. All times are Eastern. Cameroon and Serbia get us started at 5 a.m. Eastern on Fox Sports 1. Then South Korea versus Ghana. That will be at 8 a.m. on Fox Sports 1. And then Brazil versus Switzerland at 11 a.m. Eastern on Fox Broadcast Network. And finally, the game I mentioned before, Portugal versus Uruguay. That will be at 2 p.m. Eastern on Fox Broadcast Network. All of these games are also available in Spanish on Telemundo and in Canada on TSN. Let's send it over to my chat with Felipe Cardenas. Back with me for the first time in what feels like forever. It's probably only been a couple days. <laughs> time moves very strangely here in Qatar. I have Felipe Cardenas. Felipe, uh, you wrote a story uh, in the last round of games before Uruguay's first uh, World Cup match against South Korea. It turned out to be one of an increasingly large number of nil-nil draws in this World Cup. So a little bit of a disappointment if you were looking for Uruguay to make some sort of a statement, or if you were looking for South Korea to make a very, very big statement. Um, but you have written about Uruguay and sort of the state of that team. What did you see in that nil-nil draw? Do you think that we'll see any changes in their next game against a much tougher opponent, I think it's fair to say, in Portugal. Yeah, I, I, th I saw a classic Uruguay performance, to be honest with you. I know it was nil-nil, and, and for, uh, perhaps the casual fan was was not impressed. Uh, but in person, it was a very intense match. Uh, you know, Korea really did dominate the first half. Uh, they played the game play sort of to their script. It was very fast. Uh, mm -hmm. They had the ball. They were creating the 1v1s. They, they, they created chaos. Now, the problem with that is that, and I wrote that in the story, is that Uruguay can sort of, they can thrive in chaos. Yeah. You know, they're very structured when they, when they want to be. But if the game gets away from them and they realize they're scrambling, sometimes like, that's the best side of Uruguay. You see that, uh, the warrior mentality, right? Uh, and so that was what we saw in the first half. And remember, this is a new era for Uruguay. It's Diego Alonso's 
start. Never been an international coach. Was fired by Inter Miami before he was appointed to this job. It's crazy. Pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah. Okay. To get, to get fired from an MLS job and then go straight from that to managing right a World Cup level man, uh, national team it, in it, South America. Of it, all, it, of all exactly. And yeah. he, they were on their deathbed in World Cup qualifying. Oscar Tabadas, who was the Uruguay coach for 15 years. Yeah. Uh, couldn't get it done. They lost four games in a row, including uh, drubbings to Argentina and Brazil, a loss to Bolivia as well. Okay, like bad. it was bad. They yeah. were at they were close to the bottom of the table. And so they fired Tabatas, which was a big deal. And they hired Diego Alonso, which was, he was not the favorite, okay? And he took them back up. They qualified third in, in South America. And I think they're still relying on a lot of the players that Tabata has relied on. There's, you still see Golin and Jose Maria Jimenez. Luis Suarez is still on the team. Uh, Musleta is not the goalkeeper anymore, surprisingly, you know. But like, yeah. there are still there's still that core group of veteran players. And then Alonso has brought on some younger players like Facundo Torres from Orlando City that made the squad. Facundo Pelestri, the Manchester United player that hasn't played for Manchester United, but he started against Korea some young players fast players and so that's the that's sort of where he's going they want to press a little bit more in wide areas um and i think again there's still a team that can that can trouble any team in this tournament they're a team that no one wants to play because that's the game you're going to get the game that we saw against korea and then they have these difference makers like Federico Valverde from Real Madrid and Rodrigo Betacourt, who was just he's just one of the most class the classiest central midfielders at this tournament. So mm-hmm. when they want, they can flip the game towards you know in their advantage. And that's what they did in the second half. They were unlucky to win to to, to draw that game. They hit the post twice. Uh, and at the end of that game, the Korean players, several of them just dropped to their knees and some of them fell over in exhaustion. And you know what were the Uruguay players doing? Ar- they were arguing with the referee. <laughs> they wanted to keep playing. So this sort of hints at my next question, which is that I think Uruguay is one of those countries that everybody acknowledges over and over and over and over again every time they show up in a World Cup lately. This is a small country. It's, mm-hmm. you know, the population is not huge. Yet, they produce these very, very excellent players. They, Especially lately, they've had very, very good national teams. They've had very, very good World Cup performances. This is a new era, but they do have young talent coming through. How do they? How have they been able to sustain this? Like a country as big as, say, uh, the United States is mm-hmm. looking at them and thinking, like, what's going on? Like, obviously, there's a difference in footballing cultures, obviously. Right. But but what is it in their footballing culture that allows them to punch it above their weight, and purely in terms of population, uh, in terms of when it comes to producing players like Suarez and Pulisic and all these guys that you mentioned i think elementary from an inter- elementary perspective it's like it's the only sport they care about yeah they, i think sure. they probably play polo and there are other sports but it's just the only sport they care about it is it is really ingrained in the culture that that's where it starts like you sure. mentioned the united states or any bigger country there's a lot more competition but that's, right? a, that's the case with a lot of countries though i mean yeah. a lot of countries like brazil like well sure but like also small countries like let's say Bolivia, for example. Mm. Like Bolivians love football as well. Am, am, I, it, am I wrong about that? You're, no, you're not wrong. Okay. You're not wrong, but it's not. It, it, I don't think the level of, I think, commitment to sport mm. 
mm-hmm. is the same in Bolivia as it is to Uruguay. Uruguay, I think it's like, to, to your point about like being a smaller country, it's like, that's what they have. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what they know that they can do well. You know, maybe economically they do suffer. Um, agriculturally, you know, they struggle as well and they need to rely on their neighbors and all that. But they know that like when it comes to sport and when it comes to football in general, like they can compete. And in the story, I spoke with Diego Forlan and Sebastian Abreu, nicknamed El Loco. Uh, I spoke to them at a hotel here in Doha and we and I brought that up. I, I framed the same exact question that you framed to me. Yeah. And they just, again, it's just, they just kept sitting, coming back to the word competitiveness. Like we just love to compete. Like that's what we do. People talk us down. They talk down to us, they minimize us. And in order for us to compete against Brazil and Argentina, they mentioned those countries several times. <laughs> It's like we. It's almost like they're neighbors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they would say like maybe we don't have as much as them, but what we do have is enough, and we can compete. And it, there are a lot of cliches, you know. It's eleven v eleven once we get on the pitch, uh, but again, they sell out every, in every game, and uh, they make it difficult for opponents to beat them. And and again, that is what you're getting in South America. Everyone knows when we play Uruguay, it's going to be a battle. Uh, now. Forlan and Abreu both told me like that there is sort of there's a stereotype about like oh Uruguayan is all they're they're only we're just aggressive players and all we want to do is fight and battle and he said that that their competitiveness has has sort of taken has taken a negative spin uh, and not on not because it's, it's it's something they did yeah but they feel that that's been the narrative uh, and they don't believe that's the case they just are fiery competitors and if you talk down to them you're going to get their best. Remember 2010, that team could have been in the final. That's right. They could have been in the final. And we, when I brought that up to them, Forlan was still pretty devastated about it. And Abreu too. Abreu was on that side. Mm-hmm. And that's what they say. Again, a lot of cliches, but they're like, the reason why we made it to the semifinals is because, A, everyone knew that Diego Forlan was a star. And mm-hmm. even me, Abreu, who was competing for the number nine position, he was like, okay, fine. He's the star. He's going to score their goals. And they had a bunch of good players and everyone, you know, played their role, quote unquote. Right. Sure. But again, that's, that's the collective when, when it comes to Uruguay. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. I feel the need to point out at this point regarding past Uruguay World Cup performance that uh, Luis Suarez's handball against Ghana, yeah, one of the best plays in World Cup history. Anybody that says that's a dirty play or bad or whatever... I'm sorry, you just don't know what you're talking about. He, he got the red card, which was appropriate. Exactly. I, think I missed the penalty. It worked out perfectly fine. I'm, I'm all right with it. And, and Sorry so, to any Ghana fans out there. Uh, exactly. And Ghana fans have not gotten over it. And yeah. <laughs> and when I brought that up to Diego Forlan and Sebastian Abreu, I was like, hey, you know, Uruguay and Ghana, again, a rematch. I, and I use the word rematch. And they just both, like, scoff, like, not for us. Yeah. So it's a rematch for them. And uh, Luis Suarez being a villain they thought was ridiculous because they said he was punished. He was he missed the next game. 
and then they were given a penalty and they missed the penalty. Yeah. So, you know, they were just laughing at the notion that that was, uh, to your point, like an unfair play. It was yeah. like, that's football. So specifically with this game against Portugal, are you worried about anything that Portugal can throw at them? Namely, hmm. uh, Cristiano Ronaldo? <laughs> yeah, and, and I think speed. You know, we, we've seen Portugal... Uh, you know that the game against Ghana showed a lot of weaknesses as well in mm-hmm. Portugal. Like they yeah. are very leaky at the back. Uh, they just don't seem to be together. You know, like yeah. you know, I don't mean to you know, like create drama, but there's a lot of drama around that team. They're creating their own drama. They're it's creating okay. their own drama, and they don't seem focused. Like it's just not a t- everyone. Some people had them as favorites, and I still think they could be favorites. But I, I don't see them putting together these 90 minute performances, but they just have so many weapons and, and, and Cristiano is still a player that can you know, be decisive if he wants to be. Uh, am I concerned about Uruguay when I, no, I, I think my concern, and, and you, you, you mentioned to this before we started recording, I think we will see changes from, from the Uruguay side and it, it'll be a tough one for Alonso, but I, I don't think he can start Luis Suarez again. He started Suarez against Korea he started him along as the number nine with Darwin Nunes as, as one of the wingers uh, and Palestri as the other winger. And Nunes ran his for his life the entire game. Like yeah. It was a tireless effort. The problem is he missed a sitter. Yeah. And if you're a Liverpool fan, you're probably rolling your eyes and saying, what's up with Here this guy? Yeah. He's not a finisher. So that's why he's not starting at the nine. But I believe... Uh, and I've spoken to other journalists that watched that game. Like, you know, Alonso should probably start Cavani. Cavani looked pretty good. Yeah. You know, he was, you know, very, uh, he was tracking back, running hard, got in dangerous positions. And Luis Suarez just like looked like he couldn't do, do much, mm-hmm. but he is a finisher. So that's the conundrum. But I do think it would, it may, it may work out in, in Uruguay's favor if you start Cavani first and then perhaps bring on Luis Suarez when the game is a little bit more under control. Felipe, obviously, Portugal Uruguay will be an exciting game uh, on this day, but there are three others. I'm curious if, any of these other ones strike your fancy just when I first mentioned them to you. We have Cameroon versus Serbia, South Korea versus Ghana, and Brazil versus Switzerland. Which of those three are you looking forward to? Hmm. Obviously, Brazil-Switzerland has been billed as, as a big game. It's still a big game because Brazil's playing. Because Brazil. Yeah. You know, but I think after what we saw against uh, Serbia, I don't expect Switzerland to come out and attack Brazil. So yeah. I think that game is going to be controlled what's the other what were the other ones south korea ghana okay i like that one yeah you know that could be sort of a full tilt game yeah and and both teams are going to be in desperate need of points korea is thinking hey we have a point a win puts us in a really good position and and they're they're a good team like i like korea like they they just need to get in front of their opponent i think if they don't score uh, you know they they struggle a little bit. Ghana, an exciting team, one of the youngest teams in the World Cup. The youngest team. In the, the youngest World Cup. team. They okay. stole they stole it out from the from the Americans the, at the at the last. Whose game. fall is that? Uh, yeah, <laughs> Tim Ream. Sorry, Tim Ream. Uh, I'm perfectly okay with. How yeah, Tim he's Ream been very good. Been very. Anyway, good. Felipe, thank you so much for uh, coming on the show today. Thank you. Thanks so much to our wonderful producer, Mike Zimmerman, for putting this and all of our shows on this feed together. I'm Alex Abnos from Doha. Enjoy all the games, and we'll see you tomorrow.